Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we are seven days in. More to report on from another fun practice out here at the Baptist Health Training Complex. The offense stole the show yesterday. Defense answers back. We'll talk about the relationship between the pass rush and coverage and how those work together today. We'll detail the plays that stood out on offense, including Tua's accuracy and command at the line and the emergence of a couple of rookie receivers. We'll hear from one of those guys and their position coach, along with the entire offensive staff from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. A little roster news to kick us off here today because we didn't cover it on the podcast yesterday, but Adam Butler was released slash failed a physical yesterday. That opened up a spot for Elijah Campbell to come off the non-football injury list, which he ha- uh, which happened on Wednesday, and he was out there getting some work in today. We also had a chance to catch up with Frank Smith, Daryl Bevel, Eric Studisville, John Embry, Wes Welker, and Matt Applebaum. So we'll weave their commentary into the show today as we did on the Monday podcast with the defensive assistance. Really good stuff today. And despite this one going to the defense, I think we'll start as we typically do in the position order as it's presented on the roster card. And so that takes us, let's be honest, to where we all play the hits, the quarterback room. And we heard from both Tua Tungavailoa and Daryl Bevel today some really good detail about the progress of the third-year quarterback. And by the way, that's two orange jersey predictions correctly nailed in a row after starting off 0 for 5. We are hitting our stride here, and we are heating up. One more on fire for Friday for fire. I'm going to take Jalen Phillips. More on that in just a moment. Back to the quarterbacks. I mentioned the precision of QB1 on the podcast yesterday and how he was able to make quick decisions and put the ball in locations for guys to maximize the yardage after the fact, the rack, the yak, the run after the catch, yards after the catch. So why not ask one of the QB gurus of the league over the last couple of decades and Coach Bev and how he sees Tua's ability to be accurate and This was a question that I I really kind of workshopped for a few days because it's kind of tough to phrase it correctly, right? Like, how do you tangibly describe someone's ability to be accurate? I'll never forget Mike Leach, the former Washington State Cougars head coach, his quote about his, you know, X amount of years, he's never seen a quarterback make a drastic jump in accuracy. It either is there or it isn't for the most part, right? And my own little flavor on that is I think that's something you have to build from muscle memory from a young age, which Tua actually kind of confirmed later on, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But to use a baseball reference like I am one to do, uh, by the way, Twitter spaces tonight, Big Seth probably would hate that comment. Uh, If you were a baseball player in your prime days, like yours truly, you can go go pick up a glove, play catch with a buddy, and probably put the ball on their chest over and over again. It's like riding a bike, right? At least it is for you, boy. Uh, So both both Coach Bev and Tua gave me some really good detail on this. Let's go ahead and start with Coach Daryl Bevel on Tua's feel and accuracy. I absolutely love the way he described this. I mean, I always laugh. You know, I think quarterbacks are really, they have to be, to be accurate, you have to be like a great mathematician. 
you know, you're you're throwing like, you know, the guy's running at this speed, this fast, this far. If I throw the ball with this height and this speed or this trajectory, you know, and um, he just he just has that feel. Um, not every guy has it, and and um, he can he can do that math quick in his head. He can say that that guy's running that fast. I need to put the ball here. And um, ball placement is huge for you know run after catch opportunities, and and Tua really has that. Why don't we hear now from QB1 himself, straight from the horse's mouth, on how he's able to train himself to be so precise. And it goes back to that stuff about childhood repetition and that muscle memory. Here's Tua. I would say I've been playing the sport, you know, as long as I can remember since I was little. And uh, that's something that my dad would, would train me to do every time. I'd go out and throw with a teammate, a cousin, whoever it was. Uh, if my dad would stand and catch for me, an uncle would stand and catch for me. Uh, they'd always give me a spot that I had to throw it to. Uh, and my dad was very adamant at where the ball ball had to be every time. And so he made it known after practices, after games. And so I would say it, it stuck with me throughout my entire football career in college and then even in the NFL. And to follow up on that, you did hear Bevel talk about the math equation of all the variables that kind of come into play for accuracy's sake. And here's Tua's thoughts on figuring out exactly where the ball needs to be placed and kind of a follow-up question to his presser there on Wednesday. I, I, think, I think that's the good thing about having OTAs, being able to throw, throw the ball to them, work on timing with those guys. And then some of the deep balls, you know, you kind of chuck one out there, see, see who can run under it, see who can't, and then you kind of work your way back down from that. Uh, but like I said, we, we've all... You know, in our quarterback room and quarterbacks across the league, we've all been playing the sport for, you know, however long and ever since we were little. So it, it's something that almost comes natural to us. We'll hear more from his media later, but I want to go back to Coach Bev on Tua's command and feel because he had a throw today that I thought was one of his best. A, a quick release downfield shot that dropped right into the bucket into River Craycraft's arms for a 52-yard touchdown. You see Tua kind of look off the defense, influence it that way, but also a pressure look where they had one more guy than the offense can block. And where's the vulnerability when you bring those guys up and do that? It's over the top. Tua recognizes it and has the quick reaction to hit that long play to River Craycraft. Washington State Cougars legend go Cougs here's Bevel on Tua's command of the offense yeah I've been pleased with with what he's done you know um, he's not he's not afraid to speak up when he needs to he's a lead by example guy Um, he's going to let his play speak for itself but if he needs to um, he's got great rapport with his with his teammates Um, I think they have respect for what he's doing and you know that's really the kind of the starting point for him great great stuff there we also had Tyreek Hill and Chase Edmonds with load management days off today and Teron Armstead not part of team drills either but there were some standouts despite the defense's dominance on Wednesday thoughts of Von Ahmed continue to look very good especially exceptional in one-on-one receiving work against the linebackers and safeties he caught a nice long ball to start things off in that period where just the fluid route running and ability to kind of keep quiet hands as you get deep on a linebacker or a safety and not tip them off to the fact that the ball's on the way he had I think the best cut slash run of the day when he pressed up to the line and was able to find the backside wind back lane hit it and quick burst through there and on that play Hunter Long had a really nice block to create some space for him it was good to see Hunter kind of bounce back because he had a couple of drops earlier in practice and he came out and made that big block and got some dap from the coaches and from his teammates. At receiver, we'll take a day off from Tyreek and Jalen Talk, although although 17 made his fair share of plays. Uh, Trent Sherfield had a really nice leaping grab and team. Muhammad Sanu looks smooth. Like I didn't know he could still move that way. He looks 
He looks fresh out there in the one-on-ones that I watch with him. But I also want to focus on a couple of the rookie receivers here for just a moment because Braylon Sanders and Eric Ezukama have have been kind of big stars of this camp. Let's go ahead and first go to receivers coach Wes Welker. And you guys remember yesterday we talked about Eric Ezukama drawing out and diagramming his plays uh, every night on the practice script to get ready for the next day. Wes Welker talked about the performance of those guys and how he's implementing the roadmap that he used as a rookie for those guys. Remember, Wes, they also talked about Wes showing his own tape for things, which I think is so freaking cool because who better than to watch Wes Welker uh, in terms of the technician, the route running, and how to set guys up and the understanding of the offense. I'll never forget Tom Brady had a quote when they first got Wes Welker in New England, and he said Wes is like a golden retriever. You throw the ball out there and he goes and gets it. Like, what a great compliment for a wide receiver. So for Wes to use that tape to teach these guys, here is Wes talking about the mandatory visualization training he has for his rookie receivers because it's what he did as a pro, and now he's helping Eric Ezukama and Braylon Sanders do it, and wouldn't you know it, seven days into camp, those guys are getting a lot of headlines from the beat writers down here. Well, it was mandatory. <laughs> it became mandatory. Okay. Um, early on in OTAs, like, it, and it's, a, it's that way for, for all rookies. And, and uh, that's why I explained to them what I did whenever I was a rookie is, like, I sat there and I drew out every single play the night before. That way, whenever I get there, all right, I'm ready for this play. I'm ready for that play. I know what I have. But all those are just stealing reps. So you're sitting there, you're talking yourself through, all right, I have this route. I have this play or whatever it is. I'm motioning to this spot. Um, you know, and really uh, trying to dial it in. But if you write it down, write it all out and draw it all out and everything, now you've given yourself basically a mental rep of exactly what you want to do out there on the field. So um, him and Braylon both have been doing that. And um, I think it's it's really paid off for him because the more you do it over and over and over again, it just kind of becomes like clockwork. And now all of a sudden, like, you're just, you're able to line up and, and able to go play no matter, you know, what, what Mike calls. Pretty important to impress your position coach, but how about impressing your quarterback as well? Here's Tua Tungavailoa weighing in on the two rookies' production so far. Through training camp 2022, Braylon Sanders and Eric Azukama. Yeah, I've been very impressed with them. Uh, they have very good ball tracking skills. Uh, they're long and they're fast. They're fast for some, for some pretty lanky guys. Um, you know, they'll, they'll insert. You know, I, I think the, the hardest thing uh, for them is just transitioning with with hearing the play calls in the huddle, uh, knowing where to be. Uh, but other than that, very impressive, um, you know, throughout the OTAs and throughout the first couple of days of training camp. As to the production today from Braylon Sanders and Eric Ezukama, there was a catch that Sanders made in one-on-ones where, again, back to baseball. If you want to hit the baseball the other way, you have to let the ball travel, right? Get deep into the zone and bring your bat through the zone late and angle your hands in the direction of the opposite field. I saw a catch today by him that reminded me of that same thing because he had late hands, which is good. You want to have late hands, again, back to the Savan Ahmed thing, so the defenders don't know the ball's en route to you. And this ball gets up on top of his head and almost like late reaction, he reaches up and just snares it and it sends his body like pirouetting all over the place. And it looks like he's going to go to the ground, maybe not hang on to the thing but he almost just blindly plucks this thing, does the pirouette, and then keeps rolling on his feet. It was impressive body control. And then later, he's up the sideline on a deep shot in that same drill, the one-on-ones, and the ball is absolutely perfect from Tua. No defense for a perfect pass, right? The defensive back, if this were basketball, 
would have gotten credit for a good closeout and contesting the shot. All you can do on, on, you know, on Steph Curry, right? But Sanders maintained concentration and just kind of cradled that thing into his chest and took it over the shoulder the way King Griffey Jr. did all those years at the Kingdom. Seth, I know you're loving all the baseball and basketball references here. We're going to keep it going. How about uh, Eric Ezukama? Man, he just keeps making plays too. He had a catch in one-on-ones that was a 50-50 ball from about 50 yards out, and he just skies up there and pulls it down. I was with Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins, and I said, you know what that reminded me of? The Devontae Parker touchdown catch in 2015 against the Ravens, the first of his career, and Kyle goes, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. So if you guys recall that play, go back and check it out. It looked just like that. He later snared one in red zone work for a touchdown as well. So another good day for the rookies. Let's go ahead and hear from Braylon Sanders on kind of the reciprocation of how he feels about his quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, you know, Tua, he's a leader of the team. So uh, whatever Tua says, you know, you got to listen to it. And uh, I'm just taking advice from him um, as far as the playbook, you know, the little things, the little details uh, come with it as well. Smart, smart kid there talking about his quarterback that way. Let's go ahead and go back to his reaction to what Wes Welker talked about and his plan for the visualization and diagramming of the plays and the way that's impacted his immediate uh, impact here in training camp. Uh, man, that helped a lot, you know, uh, just going over the script the night before you come out here and, and doing it full speed, you know, it, it helped you, help you a lot, you know, because you hit a very bitch, you know exactly what it's talking about. And so um, you're just in the right position when, it, when it's time to play. Really fun stuff there from the players and coaches. Let's go ahead and take our first break and come back with the dominant defense on the other side here of the Drive Time Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and you know by now we are brought to you by AutoNation. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. Back here on the Day 7 Recap Edition, the Wednesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, bringing you every single day of camp coverage here. We also have the Twitter Spaces show tonight and the report up on MiamiDolphins.com. Plenty of content for you guys throughout the summer, into the season. We have hit our stride in full force right now. Day seven, it was the defense who did their thing, and the front got it started with some stout run defense that eventually bled over into good pass rush and coverage, which was especially good today as well, I thought. Kicking it off with number 94, because we do that almost every time here on the defense. Christian was in the backfield a lot. What's new? And Zach Sealer, what's new? He showed his strength. There was one rep where I watched him 
And we talk about grip strength for a defensive lineman, where you watch him latch on to the pads, the chest plate, the kind of jersey part, right, in that the Dolphins emblem across the chest of the jersey. You read the flow of the play, then you use that grip strength to disengage a 320-pound man across from you, get off that block, and just the pure power that he plays with. We talk about on the postgame show, grown-ass man strength. He shows it all the, down, all the time, him and Christian Wilkins, and they both had would-be sacks in this practice. Emmanuel Ogba also had one. It was an effort rush where he kind of got blocked up at first, but then was able to, to bend the arc and get around there and get a, a pressure on the quarterback and eventually a sack you know, in a live drill situation. I do want to mention Austin Jackson. Just the, the quickness and the ability to get to an anchor with that quickness and not kind of get out over your skis has kind of stood out for Austin Jackson so far through practice this training camp. Curious to get a look at him against somebody else, uh, against different pass rushers this preseason. Ogba also, by the way, back to the defense, also had a very nice play against the uh, against the run where he deconstructs a block and works his way down the line and gets himself into the primary gap to make a run stuff. Ogba quietly having a very strong camp. Once again, we know what he can do. I thought Jalen Phillips was at his very best today. My prediction for the next orange jersey, I think it was three sacks for him. And what really popped was the variety of ways in which he did it, like speed around the arc, speed to power, straight bull rushes, second effort where you redirect and reflect your launch point for the quarterback's new platform is, man, he was sharp today. I thought Channing Tindall and Sam McGuavin had fantastic days. Tyndall carried a route like 40 yards downfield in coverage where he went step for step with Cedric Wilson, just running that pipe right down the middle. Man, he is so fast. And he, uh, he got a hand on the football. It was a good throw, but the, the coverage was better. And Sam Egwavon did the exact same thing later on, this time against River Craycraft. But he also had a sack and a play against the run, just like the one he had on Tuesday's practice. I forget days. I apologize. Uh, but a surefire collision right at the line of scrimmage if it was a live period. Good work from those two guys. And Duke Riley's good coverage continues another pass breakup. Porter Gustin had a couple of pressures in this practice that I noted as well. Darius Hodge had another one again. And I also just wrote down, I think Melvin Ingram is going to be a very, very valuable addition. He's just often around the pile making things happen and helping guys get their chances as well. And then finally, in the secondary, this group was flat out balling today. Xavier Howard was at his best, including a pair of exceptional, exceptional reps where, you know, he kind of... He can kind of alter the things that he does against players. And when you watch him and Jalen Waddle go up against each other, it's good on good as far as the speed, the physicality, and just everything both those guys can offer. And he carried that production where he took care of a deep ball against Waddle, where Waddle got on top of him, and he had good recovery speed and the length to get back in position to make a play on the football, which he did. And then another one where Waddle, again, stacked on top, but then broke the route back, and X had so much patience. Like, that's... Such a key for a cornerback, right? You see it with young corners all the time where you get in a position where, you know, if Waddle's on top of you, I can understand panicking there because he's one of the fastest players in the league. And if he's already behind you, you're not going to make that speed up, even though X showed that he could do it. Uh, to, To panic in that spot and to grab or to just, you know, put yourself in a poor position and get out of phase because of that. But he doesn't do that. There's no panic in his games. And he comes right back down the stem and makes another play on the ball. Then he carries it right over into the team 11 on 11 work and just didn't really get much attention for the way he covered today because, well, he was so stout in that coverage. You didn't have to. So he was really, really good today. I thought Keon Crossan was also very good today in this practice and his coverage and the way he's been handling things. Uh, He might be a dark horse pick 
for the orange jersey after his performance today. Keep an eye on him for Friday. He showed his recovery speed on a deep ball from Teddy to Jalen Waddle to break that up. I thought for sure it was a touchdown. One-on-one coverage. I called it out before the snap. Hey, Waddle, go to Waddle. They did, but Keon Crossin was up to the task. Let's go ahead and finish up with this guy who continues to just blow me away every day. Javon Holland was in the notes on one particular occasion that I want to mention here because it just kind of speaks to what kind of player I think he is and the kind of player he is becoming here in year number two. He had to get up over the top of a vertical route coming again from the far hash where he kind of replaced the vacancy of uh, a blitzer and there's just nobody over there and Tua lays a really nice ball up to the perimeter to Lynn Bowden and at first glance I thought that's going to be a touchdown. Then my eyes adjust enough back to see, oh, oh, eight is going to get there. Oh, eight's going to pick that off. He didn't, but he almost squeezed it, but he does get the pass break up and that type of range, man. Like what that affords a multiple defense from a coverage standpoint to be able to fill and replace like that. Whew, boy, it's going to be fun to watch, especially with the cornerbacks this team has uh, on this defense and the rush we've got for posterity. And of course, the relationship between he and Brandon Jones and this young, dynamic, exciting safety tandem, which really is a trio when you factor in Eric Rowe and what those three guys can do together. But for the sake of this next soundbite, we'll keep it to Brandon Jones. The question for Javon Holland is how those two guys kind of lean on each other for sharing ideas, what's worked for you, what works for me. Here's Javon Holland talking about his conversations with Brandon Jones and how they lean on each other for advice to improve their games. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. I feel like us as a unit, you know what I'm saying, everybody leans on each other and the DBs because if you think about it, we're all pretty interchangeable. Um, but, no, nah, without a doubt, man, you know, build, growing with a team and coming into a second year with the same type of room, uh, it helps a lot because everybody knows the certain chemistry you have, um, you know, connection, collective thought process, hive mind type thing. So, no, it's definitely great. I just want to play the rest of my Q&A with Javon because, well, if you can't tell, I'm a big fan of his game. I asked him about the Coach Gregory mentioning of him as a quarterback of the defense. Here he is talking about his mindset there. Uh, I think it's just about, you know, confidence and understanding the defense. You know what I mean? And I know as a safety, you know, that's kind of the, the guy that's usually pushing to be the quarterback of the defense, as a lot, a lot of people might say, or the middle linebacker, one of the two. But, um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like me and E-Rob, we try to, you know, just bring everybody in collective mind. I don't necessarily do it because I have to. I do it because I want to, and I want everybody to be on the same page. So that we're oil, we're an oiled machine. You know what I'm saying we're moving real smooth, real nice. And uh, yeah, man, that's just kind of how I found myself in that role. That kind of reminds me of the quote that Coach McDaniel gave us yesterday about players putting in the work to get to the right weight to maximize their abilities, right? A certain type of person that you place an emphasis on acquiring because you know they have the hunger to approach the game the right way. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I want to. Let's go ahead and go back to Javon Holland here on if there was a moment during his rookie year where he felt himself taking on more of that leadership role, if he felt he had to earn his stripes first, if it changed at a certain point, here's Javon Holland talking about when he felt kind of taking on that role was a big deal for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, coming in, of course, I felt like I had to earn my stripes, yes, but um, my biggest thing was understanding the defense so that we could all be on the same page, you know what I'm saying? It was never for a personal gain. It was always because I want everybody to be on the same page. And if somebody doesn't know something, they look back at me. I don't want to be standing there and not knowing what they have to do. I want to be able to communicate to them so that everybody's on the same page so we're all moving forward together. Again, this selfless mindset and the way he speaks about what is clearly his passion. I tweeted this, but I think it bears repeating that, you know, I know, I think, I think I know this as well as anybody that doing something you're passionate about is typically going to get the best possible results. Genuine passion is a difficult trait to defeat. That's what Javon Holland has. 
Uh, not pre-practice or anything like that, but just it's really. I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm keeping repeating myself, but it's really understanding the defense. Like, you just gotta know what the defense is, know what it takes, know what the checks are, the calls, things like that. Everything that's intertwined within the defense on that specific call, um, because it's you know we have a lot of stuff going on, but on that specific play, you only have one defense, one job you have to worry about. As long as I do my 111th, boom, everybody else is on the same page. And if I do my 111th, and then I get the job done inside the play and the place we're going on, I can help other people do their 111th. So it'd be like, you know what I'm saying? Start tricking down the thing. Real easy, real smooth. Real easy, real smooth there. He is talking a little bit about visualizing and the ability to make plays based upon your preparation skill set, which we know he clearly has in spades. Let's go ahead and take our last break here. We'll finish up on the other side with some additional media and sound bites here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. We are brought to you by Auto Nation. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. We heard from players and coaches on this Wednesday, the last practice of this session. We're going to have an off day on Thursday, back with you guys on Friday for a full weekend of training camp practices. Then we're off to Tampa Bay for joint practices and a preseason game. Football is back right around the corner, just over a week away for your Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and go back to Tua Tungavailoa and some press uh, or some of his sound bites from his media availability. He was asked about the Tyreek Hill podcast and about the perception of him staying humble has evolved. Here's Tua talking a little bit about that. Yeah, I would say I've always had that. The only thing is I've never uh, shared it. I've always had it, had it inside. Um, like, I'd be humble, but at the same time, in my mind, you wouldn't know that, like, I'm out there to still do what I want to do. Like, you know, compete, obviously, throw a lot of touchdowns, you know, and, and a lot of other things. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, being a little more vocal with, with it um, has been something that, that I just, you know, started to. And the follow-up, does he feel like he's trying to project that more in a more public way? Here's QB1. I wouldn't say I'm trying to project it more, but, you know, I just don't want people to get the misconception that uh, being humble is being the nice guy all the time because that's, that's not necessarily what, what it is, to me at least. 
Last one is he was asked a little bit about how comfortable he is in the system. And he said, I would say I'm comfortable, but that doesn't mean we take off days with not studying, not continuing to talk to guys, not continuing to come up here on an off day and talk to the coaches about some of the things we see. I think it's a cool thing this year, too. We have a lot of open conversations with our quarterback's room and our head coach with the receivers. It's really dependent on what we like in a quarterback room. If a route is strong a certain way, and that's how Mike has been running it for 17 years, and we say through our experiences the past two years, I like this play ran this way, or I feel more comfortable with that play being run this way. Without hesitation, he's going to do that to the liking of our room. So a little bit of an adaptation there for the coach to be flexible to what the offense, the quarterback, just the players in general are giving him feedback on. Sounds like a very valuable resource there for this offense to have. Let's play a couple more bites here. Robert Hunt was asked about the veteran guys in the room and what they provide to him as far as the advice they give. He also told us he's down a little bit of weight as well, talking about maximizing that athletic ability. He also mentioned that he's just trying to eat a little better, a little more greens, a little less snacking. And he talked about eh, not being a big fan of eating the greens, but forcing it down. Me too, Rob. Getting those veggies down, not my favorite thing. Not on the little dicky level of I don't eat fruits or vegetables, but not my favorite in the world. Here's Rob talking a little bit about the veteran leadership in that offensive line room and the value of Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, and the vets in that group. That's good, man. Um, those guys played a lot of ball, you know, played um, a lot of ball in this league, you know, so they can pass down whatever they learned and, you know, techniques and all that kind of good stuff down to young guys like us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're young and we're willing to listen and learn. So it's great having those two guys in the room. Tight end Durham Smythe talked a little bit about how excited he is to be in an offense that really values tight ends. I guess that was the way the question was phrased. And he, he was asked about it. So he said, yeah, it's exciting. The scheme is something I haven't really been a part of since college, and I love it. I love being at the point of attack in the run game, and there's a lot of things that you can do with a tight end off of that. So it's exciting. I think our room in general is pretty excited about being a focal point of the offense. It's a responsibility that we as a group feel pretty excited about. He also was asked about Tua Tungavailoa and the strides that he's made. Said physically since he's got here two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, obviously made a lot of strides. Everybody can see that, but I think it's just... I mean, we say this every time this question is asked, and it's kind of been saying over the last two years because it's growing on a pretty linear path. It's just his grasp of the offense, his grasp of professional football in general. There's always a transition period specifically for that position, so I think he just stays on this linear path of growth. Growth. I think the sky is really the limit for him. Let's go ahead and finish up with two uh, coaching sound bites here. First with Matt Applebaum, who was asked about the relationship between the backs and the offensive line and how those two groups kind of work together. Going back a little bit to Chase Edmonds, giving us some detail about his, his approach and his vision to set up blocks. Here's Coach Applebaum talking about the way the run game kind of gets put together as a group opposed to just individuals that meet that way. And, um, we install our runs as a group. So, and the, part of the reason is what you're mentioning is just kind of having a continuity between different position groups. Um, and then, you know, our running backs relationship to the line and the blocking and the tracks and all that stuff. I mean, that is something that is coached like, you know, hard. Like it's a big part of who we are, how we have success run the football. Um, in terms of, you know, watching tape, we have, you know, unit meetings where we watch tape as a group and some of those conversations and the relationship between that, you know, is, is talked about. And then we have just our position meetings, obviously, where we're in our separate rooms. But then our, as coaches, we kind of come together and talk through different things, too. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of ways that we have meetings, a lot of different meeting structures. Um, but at the end of the day, the line and the running backs being tied together is imperative. 
Very last one here from Coach Frank Smith, the Dolphins offensive coordinator, was asked about Tyreek Hill's impact. And although Tyreek did not practice on Wednesday, this was way too good to pass up. Well, well for me personally, uh, I was on the other sideline for the last four years. So I got to watch it absolutely shred us a couple times. So, But, I mean, what he means, I think, is more than just who he is as a player. It's who he is as a man. I mean, his work ethic uh, – his competitive nature, just everything he brings as a person is just truly uh, what you're looking for in a pro. I mean, his approach is just, it's just fantastic. So uh, I think when the, when you got a guy like that, he impacts his teammates in such a positive way because they see, oh wow, he's that competitive and he's gonna do it that way. Well, I better rise to the occasion with how it matches intensity or there's gonna be quite a gap between that intensity of a Pro Bowl level player uh, and then on top of that his skill set and what he brings and provides. I mean, uh, every day we're just uh, trying to put it in positions where he can learn and understand all of the playbook and not just the different components of what we're going to ask him to do. And there you have it, another another really fun podcast there. I enjoy putting these together with all the media sound bites we have from the coaches and players to kind of help us with the practice notes and give you a better visualization of what's going on out here. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfieldNFL for all your daily practice updates and the Miami Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and Juice, Tim Bowen, episode just dropped on Tuesday. Get back and check that out if you have not done so. And also tonight, our Twitter Spaces show, you might be listening to this during the Spaces show. Jump in, jump out, get to both of those as soon as you can. And of course, the YouTube channel for the media availabilities, Dolphins Today, some drive time clips, the fish tank, all that fun stuff. Plenty, plenty more coming your way with that. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com for the written notebook from yours truly and the photo gallery today. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy. He's coming home.